Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning on this seventh day of January 2021. Um, Let me just begin by saying and acknowledging that yesterday was a long day. We started out here together yesterday anticipating the outcome of Georgia's two Senate runoff elections. We uh, anticipated yesterday morning the constitutionally mandated joint meeting of the U.S. Congress to receive and certify the vote of the Electoral College in the presidential election, and both of those outcomes are now before us. Uh, But in the meantime, and I use that uh, characterization, the meantime, as a reminder that we um, absolutely live between the points in time when the kingdom of God is instituted upon the earth by Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of that reality when uh, when he returns and institutes among us the kingdom of heaven on earth. We live in the meantime, the meantime, the time in between those two realities, and it can be mean. So yesterday, in the meantime, the U.S. Capitol was stormed, and four people are now dead. And if they had not been our fellow Americans, we would be calling this an act of war, as the two highest-ranking U.S. officials in succession to serve as president, the vice president and the speaker of the House, were both present in the chamber when a mob surged past Capitol Police and breached the building. But it wasn't an invasion by a foreign enemy. This was an act of what some are this morning calling an act of domestic terrorism. It was certainly an act of domestic frustration, even desperation. But it was nonetheless lawless, dangerous, reprehensible, abhorrent. My list of descriptors is quite long. I'll leave it there. And yes, I understand the frustration. I understand the frustration of those who find valid cause for alarm over the election processes in several states of our union. I understand the desire to see comprehensive election reform. I share the desire for free, fair, and accurate elections I do not deny we need reform, but violence is not the path to achieving it. I uttered that sentence six months ago when we were talking about uh, Antifa and we were talking about waves of protesters in the streets across America burning it down. I said then, that I do not deny that we need reform, but violence is not the path to it. I say that again today. I do not deny we need reform, but violence is not the path to it. Most troubling to me yesterday was the waving of the flag of Christianity and our Christ, invoking the name of God, claiming uh, Jesus 2020, claiming that what was done yesterday was done in the spirit of Jesus. That only confuses the cause of Christ in the world. And as Christians, 
as Christians who live our lives under the banner of Christ, we have some thinking to do about what happened yesterday, where we are as a nation, and who we are as citizens of it. I am first a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I've been clear about that. I see myself as an ambassador of Christ, an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven and its king in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. I also recognize as an American that I bear the responsibilities of citizenship that include great and wide liberties here on this earth. And those liberties, guaranteed by the Bill of Rights, which dates back to 1689, include the right to peaceably assemble, the right to petition my government for redress of my grievances, the right to make a complaint to and seek the assistance of my government without fear of punishment or reprisal. What happened yesterday went beyond that. It tested the question of our commitment to being a nation of laws. In the end, at 3.55 a.m. Eastern Time, Vice President Mike Pence dropped the gavel on the joint session of the U.S. Congress, confirming that in two weeks from now, Joe Biden will be inaugurated to the office of the presidency of the United States. President Trump confirmed as much when the White House issued a statement by the president, which included these words, there will be an orderly transition on January the 20th. Yesterday did not have to go as it did. Today is now before us. How we live today as ambassadors of the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdoms of this world is ours to determine. Let us be mindful of the fact that it's not only our reputation at stake, it's the very rep- representation and reputation of God and the gospel, which we seek to see go forth to a generation who knows not God. Ben Johnson and I will continue this conversation in just a moment. is my right, a right given by God, to live a free life, to live in freedom. Joining me now, Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute. You can follow him on Twitter at The Rights Writer. Ben, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. I'm going to just ask you for just wide open comments on the events of yesterday. Well, it was uh, one of the most disheartening things that I have ever seen, uh, in particularly all the more so coming from people who've spent the last four years talking about lawlessness and anarchy. Uh, we have seen you know, an absolute celebration of lawlessness over the last four years, intensifying over the last nine months. Uh, but it has heretofore all been on one side of the political spectrum. Today, it, uh, it, as of yesterday, it became a bipartisan event, and it shows that there is complete and utter lack of, uh, of law, complete and utter lack of respect, and respect for the law is that gossamer thread that keeps us from falling apart. It's what holds our society together. Without that, uh, in the words of the often overquoted poem by T.S. Eliot, the center cannot hold, and things begin to spin off into entropy. And so when we lower the bar on political violence, we have to realize that that swings both ways. And eventually, conservatives come to realize what's good for the donkey is good for the elephant, and they end up taking matters into their own hands. Christians have no part in this, whether it's on the left, the right, or for any other cause. 
There's no place for a Christian to disrespect the law, according to Romans chapter 13, unless it impinges upon a matter of religious freedom or doctrine. And if it does, then like Martin Luther King Jr., the correct way to do that is to respectfully disobey the law, publicly disobey the law, and to take whatever public punishment may come about as a result of your public, courageous, and principled stance. That's what Christians need to do. And in the meantime, we need to build more grace, more truth, more peace, more harmony in our society. And uh, so much of what took place yesterday was not based, certainly in love or peace, but also not based in the truth. Any Christian who was associated with it needs to repent. So, Ben, there's, um, you know, there's a high level of frustration. Um, you and I are aware of it. It's been building over time. It does not, it, it, you know, it's not just um, an issue of this election cycle. People are frustrated by the displacement of their ideals by the ideals of others. And I think that if we were to look at Georgia, where both Democrat candidates, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, uh, narrowly defeated Republican candidates uh, Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue yesterday in those runoff elections, two critical seats in the U.S. Senate. Um, we are uh, we are reading headlines, you know, you know, welcome to the new Georgia, um, talking about a really significant pivot, not just in politics but in ideology. Um, I think that what people, what what conservatives and and Christians and those are not the same groups of people, but both political conservatives and authentic Christians in the culture today are both feeling displaced and as if their ideals uh, have been replaced by the ideals of others. Talk with us about uh, uh, about Raphael Warnock. I know you have a piece posted um, at Acton uh, about him. Yes, well, Raphael Warnock is an extremist. There's no question about it. And uh, Make no mistake about it, both of the Senate races in uh, Georgia were incredibly winnable. The Republican Party sabotaged itself many times over, uh, both in the uh, candidate side and from com- coming from the White House and its strategy, particularly focused on what culminated yesterday in denying that uh, President Trump was going to leave the Oval Office, that there was uh, somehow these, these races really wouldn't matter as long as he stayed in the White House. Uh, ultimately, that, that backfired tremendously, and you had one not-so-fantastic candidate in Kelly Loeffler in some of uh, some of the way that she campaigned. But uh, the, the man who was elected, Raphael Warnock, uh, is pastor of uh, the Ebenezer Baptist Church, which many people will remember was Martin Luther King Jr.'s church, but uh, his ideology is significantly different than King. Uh, he was mentored by, uh, by the uh, founder of the Black uh, Liberation Theology, and his belief is very much that uh, the early church was a socialist church. If you go back and look at uh, one of his sermons, and I, I write this up at uh, blog.acton.org, he gives a, a very, to me, very condescending kind of speech to evangelicals. He said that evangelicals who don't believe that the early church was socialist need to go back and read the Bible. Uh, this is a man who has praised Jeremiah Wright, who has praised Louis Farrakhan, who has said that the black church needed the nation of Islam in order to come about with its own theology. Now, if your theology needs Louis Farrakhan to inform it, then I don't know what what theology it is, but it's not coming from the Bible. Uh, The passage that he's citing, of course, is Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37, where it mentions that Christians had all things in common. I delineate in the piece exactly how that's poor biblical exegesis. These are people who willingly gave up their possessions. In socialism, you don't own anything, so there's no possession to give up. Uh, Second of all, 
as uh, the late Dr. D. James Kennedy, a uh, great hero of mine, said, in this passage, they didn't, they didn't come and take all of their possessions and lay them at the feet of Caesar or Pontius Pilate. They gave them to the apostles, uh, which, of course, is outside the government. Uh, if you would like to form a commune, then you can do so. The average commune uh, in, in history, in American history, lasts about two years, according to uh, uh, Josh Moravchik in his wonderful book, Heaven on Earth. So uh, those sorts of communities don't work very well. And uh, the government has nothing to do with this, and it was all voluntary. In socialism, you have no possessions to give up. It's not voluntary, and it suppresses the church. Uh, it takes the place of the church and pushes the church out into the margins. Uh, it displaces the church from carrying out its ministry when it comes to school, charity, health care. And uh, increasingly, it takes over, as we talked about, the ideological space where Christian ideals are displaced by secular ones. Here you have someone, Raphael Warnock, whose theological views— uh, are, we would say, very deeply misguided. They're deeply influenced by politics, but then his theological views will influence politics for the next six years, because uh, at least for the next two years, you have 50 Democratic seats plus Kamala Harris as a tiebreaker. So he is going to be a pivotal vote, and he's going to rely deeply on this deeply flawed socialistic theology. Ben, um, I'd love to uh, take a very brief break, and then when we come back, I'd love to pivot our conversation to um, your piece on the state of human freedom uh, in 2020, because, you know, I, it occurs to me this is the first time this year we've had an opportunity to talk. I'd really like to revisit the piece that you posted at blog.acton.org um, at the very end of last year. Um, so could we do that, come back from a break and do that? Certainly uh, something to look forward to. <laughs> right. All right. Ben Johnson and I will be back in just a moment. We're going to review the state of human freedom 2020. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation now with Ben Johnson. You can follow him on Twitter at The Rights Writer. You can also read what he writes at blog.acton.org. That is where I am clicking right now on a piece called the State of Human Freedom in 2020. See, I was just clicking, and then it took me a minute to find the title. The State of Human Freedom in 2020. Um, you say here at the, at the opening of this piece, Ben, that the year 2020 has been the most challenging and demanding year that most Americans can remember. Yesterday um, certainly highlighted that. Um, talk with us about what's going on around the world. Yeah, it's like 2020 extended itself at least another week uh, as of yesterday. But yeah, in, in uh, 2020, uh, the uh, Cato Institute put out its annual report on uh, the state of human freedom, together with the Fraser Institute, a Canadian free market think tank. Uh, they put this out, they've put it out every year for the last six years, and it's drawing from data from two years ago. So technically, it's actually the state of human freedom 2018, but uh, that's the last year where they have full data. And essentially, what they say is that the state of human freedom overall is about the same as it was in terms of total uh, total score on the, the many, many indicators that they go into. The United States actually dropped two positions. We're actually number 17 in the world now, according to the Cato Institute report. But um, it, it's a relatively minor change as far as all that goes. But they, they go into the state of uh, economic freedom in particular and the many advantages that come with that for the, the fact that people in the most free nations have sev about seven times the incomes people in the poorest nations and in the least free nations. Uh, they have a greater respect for democracy, greater respect for religious rights, greater respect for free speech, 
So uh, there, there are a lot of good benefits that come from being in the upper echelon. Unfortunately, about twice as many people live in the least free countries as live in the most free countries. Uh, the two areas that they found were particularly uh, taken aback in 2018 were respect for the rule of law, that is the impartial administration of justice, uh, justice that's administered without any kind of discrimination. Everyone is equal before the law and uh, a blindfolded justice merely judges your behavior, not who you are or who you're connected to. Also, and it will come as very little surprise to people who follow this program, religious liberty took a beating in 2018. Uh, much of that, of course, headquartered in China uh, because of the suppression of Christians and Uyghurs and others throughout that area. But uh, that continues and will continue to decline, unfortunately, as I go into in my piece. If you look at uh, the year 2020, uh, those things have already begun diminishing in the United States and will continue to do so uh, for, for reasons that I lay out over the next four years, uh, particularly uh, the idea that uh, equity is replacing equality. So instead of judging behavior, people are judged based on their participation in discrete groups and cohorts of the, of the population over which they have no control. Uh, hermetically sealed groups are, are going to be judged differently under the law. Uh, so that is going to, to um, unfortunately erode. And then we saw a great erosion of religious liberty. Andrew Cuomo threatening to shut down uh, synagogues and to seize churches. Uh, Gavin Newsom forbidding anyone to attend in person. We've seen some great uh, leaders, Christian leaders in the West Coast, standing up for their right and their ability to gather together as God commanded. We've discussed it, the uh, Capitol Baptist Church on this program. So that's going to uh, go downward in the year 2020. So two years from now, when they put out their State of Freedom 2022, uh, things are going to look even worse than they do in 2018. Um. I want to cover this um, this headline out of Argentina because we have not yet talked about it, um, and it's it's so heartbreaking. I watched some videos uh, as people were responding in the streets to the legalization of abortion in Argentina. Um, the bishops there have um, have now responded. Talk, talk with us about what's happening in Argentina. This is just heartbreaking. It is. Argentina, of course, a, a deeply Catholic country and uh, had respected law in its uh, in its constitution and uh, in its national law for a very long time, respected life, and they had protected unborn life up until uh, just the closing moments of, uh, of this past year where they passed a law legalizing abortion. Uh, unfortunately, this uh, this came about with uh, tremendous support in, in the House and uh, throughout the country. The, the videos you're talking about are heartbreaking to watch. There are uh, people who are gathering together, chanting, celebrating, having uh, the kind of uh, dancing fervor that uh, you expect that uh, probably the Mardi pagans Gras. did before. Yeah, yeah it, no, it's, 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 like a, it's a pagan Mardi Gras. It's, ju it's yeah. just, it's obscene. It's totally obscene. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It, it, it's sort of like the thing that the Bible describes, uh, the, the way that people would work themselves up before they made their infants pass through the fire to Baal. Uh, that's, that, to me, is what comes to mind here. Uh, so there's a great celebration uh, of, of what's being take, what's taken place here. And unfortunately, it all went off without uh, much in the way of comment of uh, one of Argentina's most, uh, most well-known uh, expats, which would be Pope Francis. Uh, he has no trouble talking about uh, politics in other countries. He certainly had no trouble discussing issues in this country and others around the world. 
Uh, and particularly, he wrote a piece in the New York Times not that long ago about uh, COVID-19 lockdowns, but he had nothing to say about this or very little to say about it before it was passed into law. So uh, that's a concern. He's had very little to say about what's happened with uh, the uh, the uh, arrest of Jimmy Lai, a, a Catholic who is uh, being held because he's condemned China from his place in Hong Kong. Uh, there were two nuns at the Vatican who were arrested in Hong Kong. So uh, this this has taken place without much in the way of leadership of someone who says he's the leader of all Christians around the world. It's heartbreaking to watch. Uh, this is a, a, a terrible defeat for the cause of life throughout the world. And those of us who care about this have to go back and evangelize the people so that not only will the law change, but that the hearts of people will break instead of them dancing in celebration as the innocent are sacrificed. Yeah, Ben, it's just uh, troubling days in which we live. We um, thank you for your uh, ongoing willingness to talk with us um, as we enter into this new year. Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute. You can follow him on Twitter at The Rights Writer. You can read what he's writing at blog.acton.org. Ben, thanks. Thank you so much. God bless and happy 2021. Amen. We'll be right back. All right, so we talk with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force on a regular basis, and we talk about uh, how now shall we pray. I can't imagine a better day to be talking with her about how now shall we pray for our nation, prayers for the year ahead. How do we pray for blessings, not curses? How do we pray prayers of blessing and not curses? Um, And do you have a word? Do you have a word for 2021? Um, that's one of the things that Kathy does every single year. She she discerns a word that she believes God is speaking over the year ahead, and she seeks to walk and journey with that word throughout the whole year. So we're going to talk about that practice um, on her part and maybe consider some words for ourselves. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Life has a way of dishing out trouble, doesn't it? And if you're dealing with a struggling teen in your home, I guarantee your plate is full. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. In Romans 8, we read, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Life dishes out trouble and all things work together for good. Hmm, how do we connect those dots? Let me suggest to you that the pain of dealing with a teen spinning out of control can lead to a new understanding of God's sovereignty. So yeah, Life dishes out trouble, but all things work together for those who love God, no matter what's happening in your home. God promises that He's working there behind the scenes. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Branzel from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Kathy, Happy New Year. Welcome back. Happy New Year, friend. Good to be back. Thanks. Ooh, yeah, man. Today, uh, today, today was a long day. Yesterday was a long yes. day. <laughs> this has been a long year already. <laughs> it has been a long year already. A um, couple of things that I would love for you to highlight with us this morning. Um, I, I want to talk about 
um, praying blessings, not curses. Um, yes. So can we start there? And then will you share with everybody your practice of uh, of how you identify a word that you live into over the course of a year? I'd love to talk about uh, both of those topics. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, I really think that in this, especially in this season, but the Bible is clear, you know, uh, throughout our lives every single day um, that we wield words, you know, our words can be weapons that destroy um, or they can build up and they can be encouraging and iron supposed to sharpen iron. And, and God gave us the power of speech um, first to praise and thank him to communicate first with him and then one another. And um, I would just encourage all of us. And, and this is a lesson, um, you know, a, a spunky teenager had to learn and uh, we, we all have our opinions um, and thoughts and hurts and everything else. But we really need to put a guard on our mouth and think about who and what we're calling forth when we open our mouth. Um, mm. If we enter his gates, God's gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, then whose courts do I enter with grumbling and curses and complaints. Um, just pause and think about that for a second. Who who am I talking to? Uh, what what aroma am I bringing? Who am I praising when I am speaking curses over others, over circumstances? And so I would just like to encourage all of us to think before we speak, to pray before we speak. And, you know, the book of Ephesians uh, chapter five tells us, uh, starts out by saying, be imitators of God, uh, walking in love. Um, we're children of God. And so how am I representing my heavenly father with what I'm about to say? Um, is it truth? Is it glorifying? Is it a blessing? Will it bring his kingdom come and his will be done? And, uh, yeah. We, that that'll be a great place for us to start this year. One of the things, Kathy, um, that I want to, uh, I mean, I want to affirm all of that, but I want to highlight um, is that my my prayer life um, overflows into the way that I speak about others and to others um, in the world. And so, you, just yesterday, I was having a conversation with a young woman who. Um, is frustrated in her work environment um, because everyone in her work environment, I mean, like literally everyone, by her perception anyway, is on one side of the political aisle these days. And there is definitely a spirit of of unkindness. And she um, uh, she may well share their political views, but she doesn't share their sort of approach to the conversation about the other. Um, who, yes. You know, the, the other are always characterized as almost demon-like. And she's like, they're not demons. They're our neighbors. They're our friends. They're, they're our That's clients. Right. They're the people who yeah. are coming in that are paying our bills. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I tried to encourage her, but um, she's considering quitting her job. Like she's at the point where mm. being in that environment, in that work environment every day, that's so venomous toward other people um, mm. because everybody in her work environment just assumes that everybody in there agrees with each other. And she's like, 
I may agree with them in principle, but I don't agree with them in their approach to practice. Um, right, right, right. So um, um, our prayer life, what's going on in our in our prayer closet um, has to you know find its overflow in the expression in the world. And so this praying of blessings, not curses, I think is important as well. Right. And that's true. I mean, for anybody you disagree with, and, and Jesus said, love your enemies. And one of the greatest ways you can love someone is to pray for them. Um, I think you and I talked months and months and months ago uh, about how we pray biblically, not politically and not critically. You know, we don't have heaven's view. We don't have all the information about anyone's life. And, and I would beg your friend that you were speaking with yesterday not to quit her job because she is light in a dark place. And God establishes us. Uh, that'll take us to our next conversation. Um, he establishes us for such a time as this, for such a place as where you live, where you work, where you worship, where you shop, where you work out. He's put you there for his purpose and so uh, we know we're going to be persecuted. We know that purpose isn't easy. Uh, we know there's a reason we are called prayer warriors. Um, and so I would beg her to just know that the joy of the Lord is her strength and the strength of the Lord is her joy and to stand as a, a lighthouse um, in a place of darkness and teach through her example um, through the way she talks about people, through the way she prays, um, that that she would turn it into a house of light where she works um, that blesses God and not run from it. Mm. I'm going to um, send her a note of encouragement today, um, highlighting all of that. So thank you. I was, I was taking notes while you were talking. Um, I am talking with Kathy Brenzel. We are talking about uh, our life of prayer um, as Christians and our life of prayer as Christians who happen to live in the United States of America in 2021. Um, we'll take a very brief break. When we come back, I'm going to have uh, Kathy talk with us about um, how God establishes us for a time and that this is our time and how he does so according to his purpose and how we can live into that by um, by discerning a word, a particular word with which we journey through a year with God. So Kathy's going to share with us her word uh, that she is journeying with in 2020 and uh, or 2021. And we're going to um, maybe we'll ask her to share what some of the words have been in the past to sort of stimulate our thinking about this. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right. Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force um, uh, is with us now. Kathy, talk about this practice of having a word to journey um, with God through the year. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I've been thinking, um, knowing we were going to talk about this, wondering, God, when did you start this with me? And uh, it really just uh, became a practice because I realized how much I pray, God do this, God do that, God bless this, God bless that, um, you know, in a, in a respectful and honoring way, but just the expectation that we carry on God uh, that we we put, you know, I expect God to show up. I expect, I expect, and and it froze me in my tracks um, over well over a decade ago to just stop him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I humble myself. What is your expectation for me 
Um, where do you want to lead this year? What are you wanting to teach me? We're disciples. Uh, we've said before, the word disciple means student, means pupil. We are lifelong learners in the Lord. And so I would just encourage all of you, I take a time, uh, usually in the fall, and I get still and quiet and away. Um, and now away might just be, uh, you know, in a closet somewhere for you or in a different room where you can shut the door for a few minutes. You don't, uh, I'm not talking a, a, a trip to the mountains. And, and I just incline my ear to God and um, think through what I'm going through, where I've been weak, uh, where um, he's pointed out to me, uh, we need a little work in this area. Um, and I incline my ear and listen, listening prayer. I love listening prayer and just say, Lord, what is it and where is it you'd like to take me in this next year? And ultimately, there is a very clear word that surfaces. Uh, my my year, um, last year, my word was glory. Before then, it's been um, uh, stewardship was a word. Uh, there's there's just self-control was a word. Um, and it, I'll, I will tell you, they never turn out the way I think they are. I journal um, through it, and not daily, but certainly as the word happens, as the lessons happen. And in the beginning of the year, I always um, journal how I think this word is going to be taught, how, some of the lessons I'm going to encounter, some of the ways I'm going to grow. <laughs> and at the end of the year, it's like, wow, okay, I never saw that coming. Um, and so my word for this year is established with an mm. ED, established. And um, Psalm 37, uh, verse 23 says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord and he delights in his way. Um, and and that's really in, in moments of weakness of, of sometimes even with this position with National Day of Prayer uh, Task Force as a president, I think, Lord, you got the wrong girl. How, how, how in the world did this happen? And he has spoken over me in a very um, painful season. I established you. Um, and so we need to realize we don't live in lack. We, we uh, sometimes beg in prayer like we lack something. But we're told in Scripture he has already provided everything we need for everything that he has purposed and established for our life. We just need to walk in it. Um, we aren't, we can't be the people who are found starved to death in homes with pantries full of food. We need to walk in what he has established. Ephesians 5, um, tells us, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise, um, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what is the will of the Lord. And so I want to walk wisely in this year. You want to walk wisely in this year. And we can only do that by saying, Lord, what is your will? What wisdom do you want to teach me? Where do you want me to go? You've established my steps and I want to watch where I walk. And um, it's a beautiful practice. It, it can get wrapped up in your resolutions. Remember that word resolve um, starts, uh, you know, resolution. And so we need to be stronger in our resolve, uh, I think the statistic is something silly, like only 8% of people who make a resolution actually fulfill it. 
Um, but make sure that it's wrapped up in what the Lord has for you this year and not just what you want for you this year. Mm. Figuring out what God wants um, is probably not as difficult as we imagine if we would Mm -hmm. spend time with him, acknowledging that he knows it all and we do not, Um, acknowledging that he is gracious and all-sufficient and um, ready to communicate with us if we would only um, quiet ourselves and humble ourselves before him and genuinely seek him and listen. Um, yes. And so I just think those are just such good reminders, Kathy, the, even just the reminder to, you know, get, get still, get quiet, get away. Away does not have to be far away, but it has to be away um, and ask God. Like, that's different than telling God. Asking God is fundamentally different than telling God uh, what my litany of concerns is. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. So there's a posture and, and, to all of this. Yeah. And and just a word of encouragement. I mean, before you and I even started talking in our previous segment, uh, during, during the parenting segment, um, he mentions that life dishes out trouble. Um, and, and I immediately just in my heart heard, but the Lord leads us in triumph. And Mm. so life is dishing out all kinds of trouble, um, right now that this is a painful season in so many ways for so many people. Um, we've been praying through COVID. Um, I lost an uncle in six days to COVID over Christmas Mm. and, um, you know, life life is is dishing out trouble. Uh, we're praying for a nation divided, um, but the Lord is on His throne, uh, and uh, that hasn't changed, and He doesn't change. And so, whatever life throws at us, we need to know that if we fix our eyes on Him and we incline our ear to Him, He will lead us in triumph. And I believe that 2021, he's already established triumph for everyone listening in the audience today. Mm. Kathy Branzell, um, as always, thank you so much. Um, will you will you pray for us and pray uh, for those who might be fearful today, um, might be frustrated today, um, just based on national events and things going on in our own lives? Will you Will you spend a minute praying for us? I would love that. Thank you for that privilege. And so, Lord Jesus, you do not did not leave us with a spirit of fear. You tell us over and over again in your word, fear not. And so, Lord, I pray today uh, that people would have a fresh filling of, fra- of faith. Lord, again, a fresh filling of faith. Holy Spirit, fill us to live fruitful lives. It is to our Father's glory that we bear much fruit. And so I ask that we would fix our eyes on you, fix our hearts on you. We would not let our hearts be troubled, but that we would follow you into this day, into this moment, into this year, knowing that you reign, that you love us, that you are almighty, all-powerful, and uh, that you lead us. And Lord, help us to lead others the way and where you lead us. Let us be reminded, every person listening right now, that they influence another and that we never journey alone. You never leave us or forsake us. And so strengthen us. And again, the joy of the Lord is our strength. 
and the strength of the Lord is our joy. We proclaim it as we speak blessing to you and over our nation and our neighbor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Kathy, thank you, my friend. Um, I am hoping that 2021 provides an opportunity for our paths to um, intersect in person in addition to Amen. Uh, the times that we have to get together here on the air. Um, thank you for lifting me up in prayer and our listeners. Um, I will do so as well for you and the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Um, just remind remind everybody that the National Day of Prayer is the, do I have this right, first Thursday of May? Yes, May 6th yeah. this year. Yes, but May we 6th. are always mobilizing Unified Public Prayer for America. So we are praying for our nation. And uh, thank you so much. You can find us at nationaldayofprayer.org. Amen. Kathy Brenzel, thank you so much. We'll be right back. Love you. Take care. Love Bye-bye. you too. Thank you. You're going to have lots of opportunities today to reflect the reality of who you know God to be to a world that knows him not. And so as you walk your faith out into the world that God so loves, I'm always encouraging you to do so in ways that honor Jesus. And that means that we are going to reflect what we know to be true of God in a world that rejects truth and knows not God. So just pause and consider that for a moment. You and I are reflecting the reality of God, the character of God, the gospel of God, the principles of the kingdom of heaven in the midst of a world that knows him not. And so... um just as a just as an exercise for a moment, if you were trying to represent a reality that no one believed in, how would you start? Um, where would you start? How would you start? What would the quality of your life need to look like in order for people to be attracted uh, enough to give you an opportunity to talk about the reality in which you live? that's different than the reality in which they live. And you're going to say to yourself immediately, well, reality is reality. Reality is what aligns with, uh, with the truth. And I am going to remind you that at the beginning of the week, we talked with Carl Truman about um, the world today and the fact that you and I inhabit a reality in the presence of God that others do not enjoy. So let's consider that um, as we move forth. We've got another... Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.